Welcome back to the WRSU crew. Chris Akonis here with Robert Baxter, Jake Schmid, and Ronnie Walenta. It's going to dive into the latest in the MLB negotiations. Still no sign of when we'll get baseball back. League still wants to start spring training, hopefully by the middle of June, opening day, early July. It seems that they've got the safety aspect of it wrapped up, and now it's a case of fighting over the money and fighting over the contracts. And Max Scherzer sent out a tweet last night that I think really raised everyone's alert level in terms of the possibility of not having a season. So, Ronnie, you said you have that tweet up in front of you? Yeah, so obviously we know like the MLB Players Association and the owners are kind of separated on the deal. And Max Scherzer is a member. I believe he's one of the um, big voices in the union. He's one of the representatives. So he tweeted out, after discussing the latest developments with the rest of the players, there's no reason to engage with MLB in any further compensation reductions. We have previously negotiated a pay cut in the version of prorated salaries. There's no justification to accept a second pay cut based upon the current information the union has received. I'm glad to hear an other players voicing the same viewpoint and believe MLB's economic strategy would completely change all documentation were to become public information. And I mean, just quick thought on it. Um, obviously, I think what he's trying to say, the biggest thing is that they've already taken a pay cut, um, that the players are already content with making a change to their salary um, based on all the events that have transpired, but that the owners are asking them to take a second pay cut um, based on information that the union received. And I guess it's not public information. And that's also what he said in the end, the economic strategy um, would be different if the documentation were to become public. So it's kind of tough for us as fans um, of baseball to kind of get a good perspective on it just based on the, the viewpoints of both the union and the owners because we don't exactly know what the terms are that they're having an issue with um, and like what the numbers look like. We just know that they want a second pay cut. Um, the owners do. So that's that's what we're looking at right now. I, I think Max Scherzer, so he's not a good judge of what's right here. Um, but I, I guess he's speaking on behalf of everybody else in MLB. Um, if they were to justify the pay cut, like if they were to say, all right, everybody else gets paid a little bit less, but those lower end players on the base salary plus some minor league players get paid because those, those players aren't really getting anything right now. So for them to take a pay cut in a, Let's say you're a young player who really hasn't made much money. It's tough to enforce a pay cut on them. Whereas Max Scherzer is, I think he's guaranteed like 28 million this year, which after the pay cut, he's probably at 25 million. And if they want to bring him down to 22 million, unless that is understood why, like if they were to say, all right, we're, we're going to give those people who are probably only going to, be in MLB more salary, I understand it. But if it's just like, all right, everybody's getting dumped down, like everybody's going down, I think 
the MLB Players Association really has a foot to stand on, or if it's just rich players complaining about how they're not more rich, I don't understand that. Like, I think Matt, like if, if I were to hear a young player or a player who is on that base salary mention, like, hey, I don't want to take another pay cut because I can't afford another pay cut. That's understandable, but Max Scherzer can afford a pay cut. I, I think it's more the case of, I think the players feel, and I kind of see where they're coming from here, that the owners are moving the goalposts. Because let's keep in mind, yes. before the season was supposed to start, about a week or two after in late March when we found out that the season was going to get postponed because of all this, the deal in place was that the players would get a prorated amount of their salaries depending on how many games actually got played. So under that deal, it would be if this would be an 82 game season, so about half of what they would normally play, they would get half of their salary, which sounds about fair. But in that contract included a stipulation that if the rest of the season had to be played without fans, that they would have to renegotiate the deal because the owners feel they would lose too much revenue. Yeah, I mean, I, my bad, Bax, you want to go? No, 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 you go. Yeah, that, that's what I was looking at as well. Um, I think I, I agree with you, the prorated at that point, um, it looks like a, a healthy medium. The problem is, I think it's not with like the large market teams. You're talking about, like, let's say the Oakland A's, right? You know, they're a, a small market team. We all know this, the Tampa Bay Rays, the Pittsburgh Pirates. They're having trouble generating revenue, and without fans, I think they would have an even bigger problem generating that revenue. So I, I saw something that said, based on the revenue that the team makes, you would kind of get a piece of the pie. So like, let's say Max Scherzer is making, I don't know, however much percentage of the Washington Nationals sal or, or salary, he would get that based on the revenue of, of the team. Um, the problem with that though is, obviously with none of this information public, we don't know obviously how much revenue these teams are going to bring in. There's incentive for the owners to obviously, obviously say that they need more to keep, you know, the play uh, to keep their operations going. So it's kind of a tough thing where it doesn't matter how much you're making, like you're getting a small piece of a pie. And if you're again, like what Baxter was saying, a minor league player, any of that, you're not making, enough money because especially if you're playing in a small market team like the pirates or the a's you're making so little that it doesn't it almost doesn't make sense for you to play yeah i i would even be fine if i were a player bobby bonilla me meaning give me whatever you want at this time but in the future you will pay me back for the time that i played so Give me something that I can survive off of for when we get back on our feet, when we get the fans in the stadium, give me part of of the contract. I'm not asking for a Bobby Bonilla where they paid like 10 times the amount of his original contract. Pay me back later. Give me money later. Give me enough money to survive until that later date happens, and then you're paying me until we are equal. Like, I... I think that it is reasonable for players to expect a significant pay cut. It's reasonable for 
owners to ask for a significant pay cut, but I'm not working for free. I'm not going to be playing for free. I'm going to be paying for the salary that we agreed upon, what my contract said that we agreed upon. Give me that money, but give it to me in the long term. And I think that would better suit players as well, because you see it in the MLB, you see it in the NFL, you see it in every single sports league where players spend like they have a billion dollars, but they only have a hundred thousand or they spend like they have so much more money. They're really better off these players to get paid in the long run to have that almost investment or to have that just have the payments spread out to where they don't run out of money quickly. Like deferred money. Yeah. I, I think that that, if I were an owner, that would be the route that I would be going rather than saying, I'm going to pay you way less than we paid you for your time. Like I understand being paid 50% if you play 50% of the season, but if you play 50% of the season and you only get paid 25% of your salary. So that would be a quarter. Like that would be a total quarter of your salary so 28,000, that would be, you'd get 7 mil, or uh, sorry, 28 million, you'd get 7 million of his $28 million contract. Give me, instead of that, if I pay, if I play 50%, spread out that final 25% over the next five years and add that on as if it were a signing bonus or add that on as if it were a performance bonus. Like you can defer the payment you can spread the payment out further, but I want to get paid for that. And I think that that's it's understandable why Max Scherzer is doing it. I just don't know if he's the right person because he is making a contract that even if he gets paid a quarter of what he gets paid, he's still set for life and his children are set most likely for their lives. Here's, so, here's my take on it. I, I just want to, and it, it honestly drives me nuts is the fact that I think I saw a tweet from Jeff Passan, and I think that this is more likely than many baseball fans want to admit. I think there's a real possibility that at least some of the owners are not negotiating in good faith. I think that there's a segment of the owners that does not want baseball to be played in 2020 because they would rather cut their losses than get some of their revenue back and play with no or limited fans. And it drives me nuts because it's so short-sighted because those owners, I guarantee you, those owners have no institutional knowledge of what baseball was like immediately after the 94 strike. After the 94 strike, baseball took a major hit in popularity, in TV ratings, in average attendance. That was... I need steroids again. <laughs> Uh, like well, that, that's what brought they, baseball back. Yeah, I mean, that, I grew up in the dark era into the steroid era of baseball. Like I, I started watching baseball in '99, and the steroid era was like 2000 to 05, 04. Yeah, yeah earlier than that. Barry I mean, 19, 1998 was the big home run chase with McGuire and Sosa. I mean. And they were both roided up. So, no, I yeah, mean, I, during that time, exactly. I, I think that that's what really dictated that. But I think also 
that's business. Like the owner wants what is best for them, what is going to make them the most money. If not, not paying players is what makes you the most money, they don't care about the players. Like if if a businessman is running a company and they have somebody who's making more money than they are and they've been there for 40 years, you better believe that they could get fired in an instant. Why? Is it doesn't matter. Like it, it all that matters is helping out the business. So the owners are only looking to help themselves and to help the money-making aspect. They don't care about the players. You'll see that in a GM position where they don't really have allegiance to the players. They have allegiance to winning. Like you, you see just countless times where an, a good player, a serviceable player, a fan-loved player gets traded. Why? business they it's rare to see a player start with one team and end with one team because it's it's business after all and i think it's it's kind of sad that that's what it's coming to in sports but then again that's kind of how it's always been i'm i'm with both of you guys on this um i I mean i look at some of the the owners that we look at um even when this didn't like before this happened i mean the pirates I look at that team as like their ownership is so reluctant to spend in order to win. They're very, they're very short-sighted. Um, they, when they had these great teams, McCutcheon, Marte, you remember all the players on these pirate yeah. teams that were going to the playoffs and they wouldn't supplement anybody. They wouldn't come and they wouldn't take the money from another team in order to get an ace pitcher or anything. And I think it's a team like the pirates that's making this tough. Um, they are also, I saw a tweet that they're not paying their employees. They're not able to because they're a small market team. And I mean, I just think it's teams like that. And also to your point, Baxter, I mean, I, I saw a tweet from Jeff Besson, who's, who's all over this stuff. Um, the minor leaguers, I mean, the minor leaguers, some of them making like $400 a week, some of them living on like barely getting through wages. Like they can't, like some of them having trouble living on these wages they're getting laid off in, in, in truck. Like they're so quickly because the minor leagues, if the major leagues can't be sustained, the minor leagues definitely can't be sustained. But I think it's a further problem. You have all these organizational, uh, you know, teams that are triple a, double a, whatever. They, they can't sustain those, um, those players. So major leagues, like, like you were saying with Scherzer, it's interesting because, He's coming from uh, having an amazing salary. They just won the World Series. So the Nationals of all teams are probably not hard on money right now because they have so much money from winning the World Series. They just took your World Series bonus and added to your wealth. Exactly. So, like, it's a weird scenario where it's coming from Scherzer, who's supposed to be a voice of the union, but he's in a very unique position where he's being paid in the top whatever percentage of major leagues, of the major leagues. And he's also getting on top of that the bonus from the World Series. So it's a, it's a weird dynamic to have this guy representing, you know, the, the, the fringe major league players that are not making a million dollars, you know? Yeah, I, I always thought that it was it's very unfair that the MLB, as well as every other sport, their, uh, their players' union doesn't really represent the minor leagues, where pretty much... I would say a lot of the players came up through like 
it's weird to think that they don't really represent them and that you could still pay these minor league players peanuts to basically waste years of their lives. Some of them won't even make it to the major leagues and they won't leave with a penny in their pocket because they've been paying their own money to play and chase their dream. I think that it's tough to have leagues represent people who are already in the leagues that have already done it, who have already made their paychecks, who have like, if you make one year salary in major leagues, which I forget what their minors like their I know NHL is like $750,000, but that's enough money to make you comfortably live for at least 10 years for you to figure out what you're going to do in your life. Like MLB, you could be stuck in the minors your entire career and be paid hundreds of dollars a week, like $400 a week, $1,200 a month. Like it's, it's not that much when you really think about it. Like you're making less money than some people who work at supermarkets. Like it's, it's very, and then you could take away that job and then you look at them and they don't have a college degree because they spent their whole life playing a sport. They don't have like a lot of things. It's tough for major leaguers like Max Scherzer to really be like, oh man, we're not getting paid enough. Wah. Like if you want to, if you want everybody on board, have the contract say, all right, but we also want money for the minor leagues. We want money for the people who are coming up and who are losing money by the day because we aren't playing. Like it, it I, I always feel like when one of those top league, like the league leaders are saying, woe is me. Mm. Like they, they're not struggling. They're not having a tough time. Yet there's somebody who's 16 who just came here for the Dominican Republic playing for a minor league team who doesn't have a dollar to his name, who is losing thousands of dollars just staying here. Mm-hmm. It, that's my thought on the players union and what they, their true things should be. Like it, it shouldn't be like keeping my 25% of my salary. It should be giving somebody a hundred percent of their salary who is in the minor league. Yeah. And I also think that when we look back on this, on the effect that this whole ordeal has had on sports, it's going to be not, the fact that we lost March Madness, as awful as that was, not the fact that, you know, that's in the back burner. That's I know in the back burner. It's gone. Well, no, but what I'm <laughs> saying is, the point I'm trying to make is, and you know, potentially the Olympics could be gone altogether too. They said even next year they might not be able to do it. But the point I'm trying to make is, when we look on the effect that this has had on sports, it's not going to be the major leagues who lost maybe half a season that we're talking about, or in the case of baseball, an entire season. It's going to be the minor league teams that, you know, lost a good chunk of revenue from not being able to play in front of fans and potentially could not play a season at all. Like the Mets already said, we're cutting two of our minor league affiliates altogether. Yeah. Like that's going to reverberate not just for the players, but for growing the fan base of baseball. I mean, you think about these small towns that have minor league teams, such a big part of the community there. It's also, you know, people who rely on them for jobs, like not just players, but managers. I mean, media. You could put media in there too. 
There's not going to be as many minor league broadcasting jobs when this is all said and done. Like, the effect I, that this is going to have on... They're... Go ahead. Oh, yeah, no, no, you go. I, I'm just going to say, like, this is going to... Minor league sports, not even just minor league baseball, minor league baseball, minor league hockey, even some college sports, you know, this could be an existential crisis for them. And I wouldn't be surprised, sadly, if a lot of these teams don't make it out of however long this ordeal lasts. And then that's going to make the long-term prospects of the sport worse off. I think that we will drop down from minor leagues to minor league. Like, I, I think that we will just have one feeder system for the MLB. Like, I, I think that we'll just, there'll be other independent leagues, but I think that there'll only be one minor league. Like, every other sport pretty much has one feeder system. Besides soccer, which is weird, but... Whoa, whoa, like, whoa, 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 whoa. You're not going to disrespect the beautiful game like that. Well, so- soccer has the soccer has the interesting thing with which it has like how many leagues in the world that you can hypothetically pick talent from. Well, I mean, each country has like a pyramid. Like, take for instance England, which is one of the better league systems in the world. You have the Premier League, and there are twenty teams. But then you have second division is a championship, third division, league one, fourth division, league two. Those are four divisions, like 80 or so teams of professional teams. Each, has, each, each is individual and makes their own money. Yeah. And can like, be relegated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like each is individual. Whereas MLB, you don't really have any individual minor league teams. Like every single one seems to be their own team. Or no, I mean, every single one seems to be a feeder for a team above it or every single one like there is a strict line in which you can go up to be in the MLB I think that there'll just be one line like the NFL doesn't have a minor league system the NFL has other leagues that pop up every now and again and it has NCAA but that's not even necessarily a feeder system like that provides talent but you aren't given the talent like, I think that we will get to the point where MLB just has one league underneath it and the rest are independent baseball leagues. Like, unaffiliated, you can pluck talent as they seem fit. I think that that's what we might be heading to is the baseball way of it, of having... How many is it? You have you have Major League, Single A, Double A, Triple A, and that's... And the Rookie League. For the affiliation. There's Rookie well, have, League, there's... Yeah. Uh, short season single A, which is where the Brooklyn Cyclones were, but now they're moving up to double A because you know all of those have their individual like line of succession. Yes, like you can you can draw. All right, the Fresno Grizzlies are the feeder team through two rungs to the Houston Astros. Like if you are a good, I think it was uh, Carlos Correa started off there, but you know who you can go to if you are good. I think that it'll get to the point where you just have one paid salary underneath the major league salary. And I think that's more sustainable than their gigantic pyramid that they keep building. But I mean, at the same time, like baseball is a little bit different than like football or basketball where 
it can take talent a longer time to develop to a major league level. Like, you know, you see like now in basketball, you'll have a 19 year old get drafted top 10, top five pick in the NBA draft and potentially start as a rookie. You see in yeah. soccer, it's even earlier. There are 16 year olds in MLS that are pros. NHL, if you're drafted in the top five, at least four of those players are expected to be in the NHL this season. Yeah, and I mean, everyone in the NFL just goes straight to the NFL team. I mean, uh, unless you're on the practice squad. But even that's kind of rare for them to draft somebody that high that they would just put on their practice squad. Yeah, not like high draft picks, but like later rounds, you know. I I think MLB needs to set up something different. Like, then I don't think that it's sustainable that the Yankees, I mean, the Yankees aren't the problem, but the Rays are expected to pay for four rungs of salary and how many a 52 man roster they're expected to something like that uh, yeah yeah i i can't remember yeah, if 52 is nfl or mlb you got a 26 major league 26. roster and you got yeah, 26. 26 per rung so you're getting into like 90s to 100 104 for their entire system if you don't include outside of the A's, like the AAA, AA, and uh, single A. Outside of that, it could be even more than that. How are you expected to pay for 106 people plus coaching staff, plus front office? Like NHL, you're, you only have one underneath it, so you're maybe expected 50, 60 maybe? Like, there's a lot more salaries at play in the MLB. Like, it, it's just not sustainable, and I get it's been going on for 100 years, but we've been past the boom of baseball. We're in the decline of baseball. I don't think teams can afford to pay this many players any longer. Well, you know what they really can't afford to do is not have any sort of baseball season in 2020. Because if, well, that's just, it's just dumb. It's dumb for them to think that they could sustain it without any baseball. No, you can't. And, and the point I'm trying to make is, especially nowadays, like more so than in 1994, the sports landscape is so much more diversified. Like, look at UFC. That's a growing property that didn't exist in 1994. There's Major League Soccer, which is rapidly growing. Like that, that league in particular plays <laughs> the same time. No, I'm serious. The same it's time of the year. Growing. It's growing. It's not rapidly growing. Like, it's rapidly growing. Facts are 10 years ago, the average attendance was like, I think 70% of what it is now. Like you've got several teams that pull in NFL crowds. It's a rapidly growing league. The, the most rapidly growing is ML or uh, NBA. Well, the NBA is already pretty big, though. It's more rapidly growing abroad than at home. Even at home, just based on how many kids look up to M- NBA players now, I don't think that kids could name 10 MLB players. Like, I, I, I don't trust in a six-year-old being able to name 10 MLB players, whereas... I don't even like NBA. I can probably name 10 to 15. I can't name one MLS player. 
Like, NBA is absolutely on fire right now. Ronnie, can you name an MLS player? Freddie Adu. Uh, nope. I know Bradley Wright Phillips, he, he retired, right? Yeah, he recently retired, but... Okay, <sighs> you got one. Better than Baxter. Uh, David Beckham was on the LA Galaxy. I'm, I'm talking current guys. player. Well, right, you know. Latin, um, oh, um, the guy from... LA, uh, FC. Yeah, the German guy. Carlos Vea. Carlos Vea. Carlos no, Vea, you're right. the German guy who just got traded. The goaltender. Who are you talking about? No no German guy who just got traded. Not MLS. Oh. Okay. Did we lose him again? I, I think we did. Um, oh, he's back. He's back. Yeah, sorry. Uh, what is it? Ziegit? What, what's the German guy's name? Are you talking about... He was the big signing. Talking about Bastian Schweinsteiger? No. I I don't know who you're talking about. Yeah, I can't think of it either. Um, I think that just goes to show is it's still way outside the big four sports. The other thing about it, though, is it's kind of like hockey and to a growing extent baseball in that regard. It's niche. I wouldn't even say yes, but it's more a regional thing. Like... Hockey is a major, major sport in some cities. And in other cities, it's a complete non-factor. Yeah, it, I, I'll agree with that. Like, hockey is forgotten in every sport. And I don't, I don't know MLS enough to know if they're catching up to hockey. But I think... So what would you say the most popular sports in America are in the big four? Cool. I would say NFL and NBA... Uh, baseball, and then hockey. I think, I think that's pretty good. I think NBA might overtake football very soon. No, I don't agree and with that. I think it will. Because I think that they are very good at at advertising themselves. They have a lot of good, marketable athletes. And NFL really... The physical thing, the concussions are hurting it. I think we'll reach the point where kids just aren't playing football anymore. Like, it'll still be there, but it isn't going to be as much. You're not going to have as many parents who are into it. You're not going to have as many kids who are into it. Everybody's going to want to be the next James Harden. Everybody's going to want to be the next Steph Curry. Not everybody's going to want to be the Tom Brady or to be the – I can't even think of a running Todd Gurley. Like, I I almost said Antonio Brown, but no one wants to be Antonio Brown. Um, <laughs> but I, I I think NBA as a hockey fan who doesn't really watch any other big four sports, NBA scares me because they're quickly overtaking everything else. NBA isn't going to be the biggest sport in the world. Soccer has that, but. NBA, I think, will be the biggest sport in America within the next 10 years. That's not a Stephen A. Smith crazy take. I think that that is a very realistic thing that's going on right now in America. Well, I think what makes the NFL so unique and what I think will ultimately keep it in the top spot for the foreseeable future is two things. One, it's so ingrained in not just sports, but in American culture, like the Super Bowl is virtually its own holiday. Like, people who don't actually care about the game still celebrate the Super Bowl because it's just become this 
bigger than sports cultural event. Like the NBA Finals gets unbelievable ratings, don't get me wrong, but the NBA Finals doesn't have that, and I don't think it'll ever will. And also, the other thing that the NFL has going for it is it owns a day of the week. Like Sunday from September to late January, early February is football day. That is when most teams in the league are playing their only game of the week. So, And there are only 16 games in a season, so each game has a higher level of importance than the NBA where half the teams make the playoffs and there's 82 games in a season. I also I agree with you, Sacco. I just think the, the the sheer number of games helps the NBA, uh, the NFL. Um, just baseball, one hundred and sixty-two games regularly. It's hard for any like non-baseball fan to get involved in that because you have to watch so many games, and even in the playoffs, you're watching series, not just a single game. In the NFL, you got the playoff game. It's one single game, and every other sport, it's a series. I think it's tougher for a fan to get into a series than it is for, you know, a, I mean, a non-fan, a non-fan to get into a series than a non-fan getting into just a game. I think you're spot on. I see the one difference between NFL and NBA. I mean, there's a lot of differences, but one game, that is it. Everything comes down to one game in the NFL, whereas if you spread out that viewership over the seven games, I don't think that it really matters. Like, I I was just looking up. Like, the highest rating was 30 million households for the NBA. Highest rating for the NFL was 50 million. And that was 30 million over the seven-game series. Like, I, I don't think it's that crazy. Like, yes, it is so ingrained, but I don't think it's that far off. Like, I, they've definitely overtaken baseball, and baseball is America's game. Like, I, I think that the fact that football is so ingrained in America doesn't really have to be. Like, you look at Canada's game. Like, Canada's game isn't hockey. It's lacrosse. Like that's their national sport is lacrosse. At some point, hockey became more popular than it. Just like MLB. MLB was America's game. NFL became way more popular. I think the next step is NBA, just because the the physical nature of America is going way down. And I think the viewership of NBA is going way up as as they get better and better as more players start focusing on basketball over NFL, you're going to see that uptick in players. I know it's a moot point, but I, I think that that's where American sports are going. It's a good point. Uh, we're going to have to leave it there as we are out of time. That's going to do it for the WRSU crew. Coming up next, Ooh. an exclusive Nike interview with Governor Phil Murphy. Apologies to Jake Schmidt, whose computer crashed into making it this episode. We'll be back next week. This has been the WRSU crew on WRSU-FM, New Brunswick.